Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that you love us. We thank you that you just want to lavish your love upon us. We thank you that your word tells us that you rejoice over us this morning with singing. We love to sing to you, Father. We love to sing the praises to you, Lord Jesus. But fantastic news today is that you rejoice over us with singing. So, Father, in that, in that love, please come to us this morning and teach us. Teach us from each other. Teach us from the hymns and the music. Teach us from your word. Because we want to know more about this life that you have on offer to us. This life in its fullness. So, Father, would you come by the Holy Spirit and just lead us into the pastures that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is a privilege and a joy to be with you this morning. And um, I have had the privilege of speaking to, to churches throughout different parts of the world in my, in my Christian life. The Lord has really uh, allowed me to, to be a mouthpiece for him at times, to be an evangelist and to, to go to different places. And this job is really uh, an incredible uh, achievement for, for, for me. Not, not that I've done anything, I just received from, from God. And I believe that's what God is saying to us, that we need to receive from him. The scripture that we heard read from the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And you can forgive me because working for the leprosy mission, most Sundays, three Sundays out of four, I'm preaching in different churches and different denominations. And I would always choose a story about leprosy because that's my job. And I, I've come to love these passages. And there is so much in uh, the passages of the way Jesus dealt with people who the rest of society treated less than animals. That was, that was the history. That was the, the starting point of the leprosy mission. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about it in, in my presentation in a minute. With, of a young man called Wellesley Bailey, who 140 years ago this year set sail from Dublin to India to seek his fortune. He was going to become a very rich man. He was in his early 20s. He was very young in the faith. In fact, it was the night before he sailed to India that he went into a church because he was frightened because it was foggy and stormy weather was, was, was approaching. He was so frightened that he got on his knees and gave his life to the Lord, this young man. When he got to India, he was going to become a policeman because his brother was already a policeman for the British police force over there. But his brother had moved by the time Bailey had got there. So Bailey, young, young Wellesley Bailey, found lodgings with a Lutheran minister. This Lutheran minister was a, a German man who opened up scripture to him and taught him the kingdom principles taught him from scripture. This is what Jesus is like. This is what the love of God's like. This is what our life can be like. And this, this German minister had also done something very strange. He'd opened up his home and his heart to people suffering from leprosy. And Wellesley Bailey, in all those years ago, understood and could see with his own eyes that people with leprosy were despised in the town. They were kept, actually, and they lived on a rubbish dump. They lived on the rubbish dump and people threw them food because they weren't allowed to cross the road. And yet this German had opened up his heart and his home to, to uh, people with leprosy. And Bailey's heart was really touched. And that's what really started the leprosy mission. And I'm going to show you from scripture and I'm going to try and weave it into a story of a visit that I did with my wife in November. This fact that when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem... That's, that's the gospel we just heard read, Luke 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem. And that first statement there carries so much weight about it. Because it wasn't Jesus going on his holidays. It was Jesus on his way to his death. Now on his way to Jerusalem. 
a man faced with death. He knew what was going to happen to him. And yet he chose to go along the borderlands, we're told, between Samaria and Galilee. Theologians and people who studied geography would say he was going the wrong way. Jerusalem was almost that way, and he chose to go that way. He went along the borderlands because that's where people who are displaced in life are pushed. Whether it's physically in countries, like we see the war in Syria, a dreadful war, people who are displaced and dishomed are pushed towards the borders with all the other countries. They've nowhere else to go. Their own country doesn't want them. They're frightened. They're being bombed. They're being pushed away. That's where these people with leprosy were kept, on the borders of society. And you know that's where some people in our own communities are kept? The elderly, the lonely, people with drink and drug problems, people with social problems. We tend to keep them on the edges of society. But Jesus' heart, knowing where he was going to end up at Jerusalem, his heart was to go where people needed to hear some good news. It's a wonderful story that I'm not going to go into today, but it's a wonderful story that quite often a preacher would would take the, the fact that one man came back to say thank you, one man out of ten. And in fact, the, the great reformer Martin Luther was asked, give us a true definition of real worship, or a real definition of true worship, if you like. And he said, the tenth man with leprosy. That's true worship. To understand what Jesus has done for us, to realise what he's done for us, to turn round to him and throw ourselves at his feet and thank him. Well, I'm not going to go into that part of the story. That's wonderful enough. It's the fact that these ten men were kept at a distance. Scripture tells us, we heard read today, they called to Jesus from a distance. And you know when Jesus went into any town, he would have had at least 12 people with him. And the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke said that there was always a crowd following him. So we could imagine today Jesus walking into the town with 12 disciples, with other people around him. Wherever he went, people clamoured for his attention. Just before this story, there was, just, there was another instance where Jesus was in a town and somebody touched the hem of his garment. The lady with the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment. And it says that Jesus felt power going out of him and said, who touched me? And Peter said, and I'm paraphrasing, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. There's so many people here. You can't just say who touched you. And Jesus, but Jesus knew who touched him. He knew somebody had touched him. So we know that there were people clamoring for his attention. But what I want to bring out this morning to you is this. People clamoring for Jesus' attention and the noise that must have been there and the excitement that was there. When these ten men who had been used to being at the edge of society, away from people, called out to him, he heard them. Jesus heard them. Isn't that wonderful to know today? Whatever's going on in our lives and our families' lives and our community, we call out to Jesus. He hears us. He is the God who hears us. He is the God who wants to reach to us for a relationship with us, to bring us home to him. He hears us. So this morning, please take heart, folks, this morning. We call out to him at the pain that's in us at times. Perhaps the pain of regret, things that have happened in the past. Perhaps the pain of worrying about the future. Pain of worrying about the present. Call out to him because he hears us. I want to show you some slides of a journey that my wife and I did to India in November. Jean left her full-time job, my wife, last year in May to join me working full-time for the leprosy mission for free, because at least she sees me now, she said. Um, but uh, we just felt that she was called to work with me. It's a risk money-wise. But we had the opportunity of going to India together. 
And when Jean, when I asked the leprosy mission, can she come? They said, yes, you know, we encourage wives and families to go, but she's got to pay her own way. So she had to find the funds to, to go, which is quite right. Uh, and I think she, in her heart, heart, she saw palm trees and elephants and sunsets and it wasn't quite like that. We're going to show you uh, some pictures just now and I'll try and make it brief of a group of people who were kept at a distance. A group of elderly people who have leprosy who were kept at a distance from their own families, from society, and for everything that they'd known in the past because of that word leprosy. When they contracted leprosy, life changed for them, for good. And leprosy, I need to tell you this morning, is absolutely curable. It's the least contagious of all catching diseases. Can't catch it by touch. 95% of the world, including us in this room, we are naturally immune from leprosy. We can't catch it. It's because our immune system is so robust, because we've got good nutrition, we've got clean drinking water, we've got flushing loose, good sanitation. So our immune system is very robust. It can push away a very weak germ. It's a bacillus, a bacteria that we believe passed in coughing and sneezing. But how cruel of a disease that picks out 5% of the world who are already the poorest of the poor, with poor nutrition, poor diets, no drinking water or dirty drinking water. And not only that, when it picks those people out, their society turns on them and calls them unclean. And in most religions in the world, particularly the Hindu religion, if I was a gentleman in India catch, catch leprosy because I've got a weak metabolism, already poorly, I am then called a sinner because people, because religion believes that God has cursed me because of sin. And I'm here today to tell you that God does not curse us with disease. He does not curse us with disease. Jesus is the son of righteousness, risen with healing in his wings. Our God, our Father God, is the God who heals us. He does not curse us with disease. So you can see the work of the leprosy mission is not just about a cure. It costs £20 these days to cure somebody. Multidrug therapy is three very strong antibiotics. And those antibiotics are donated worldwide by the drug company Novartis. They just give them to us. So you can see there's big steps in people's cure. But what we fight against is the stigma that's attached to leprosy. So just briefly, this is about a town in Bankara in West Bengal. It's about 128,000 people. It's um, six and a half hours from Calcutta, the huge city of about five million people. And it's farmland. So most of the men are actually day laborers on the farms. And most of the houses of this population of 128,000 don't have toilets and they don't have electricity or running water. And cows are all over the place in India. And I put that picture there because cows like this can stop traffic. You're not allowed to move them. And they can actually go into shops and do whatever cows do and walk out again. But in a lot of places in India, if I had leprosy, I'd have to dip my hands in disinfectant before I went into the shops, if I was allowed in at all. So that's what I say, people are treated less than animals. It's a hard life where husbands go off to... Men go off to do the farm every day. Mums will either get the kids to school and the house ready and they grow vegetables and come and sell it at the side of the road. And also a lot of the um, manual labour you see, the road gangs at the side of the road are, are women. It's a very hard life. And I want to show you uh, our community that's there. And that's that scripture. They stood at a distance. Ten who met Jesus. Hello. There we go. 
Mother Teresa, who had a great affinity and, and um, collaboration with the Leprosy Mission, and her organization still does, um, when she was talking about people with leprosy, she said this, and this lady knew more about poverty and hunger than I'll ever know, but she understood more about leprosy, and she said this, being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by everybody, I think that's a much greater hunger and much greater poverty than a person who has nothing to eat. She understood that there's a yearning in our hearts just to be wanted and to be loved and part of family and part of community. And leprosy robs people of that. It takes that away from people. And this is a group of people that we met in the Snailaya, which is, is a Hindu word for mercy home. This is a group of people who have nowhere else to go in the world. And we look after them. We have six of these homes throughout India. It's a beautiful place and it's a place where we can bring hope and we can bring love. There's 48 people actually there, so there's 42, there's 48 people when we were there. And it's a place where people can come and have their leprosy cared for, they can have their emotional needs cared for, their social needs cared for, and we try and encourage families to visit, and actually we encourage families to take mum and dad, auntie and uncle, son, brother, back with them, because we try and teach people it is not a contagious disease by touch. You can take mum and dad back, you can take them back. That's a lot of our work is to do that. It's very peaceful surroundings. That's the chapel. Uh, there are two ladies we met in the in the chapel every day in India. The leprosy missions mission meets from eight o'clock till nine o'clock for prayer and devotion. In the UK, here in England, we meet from nine o'clock till ten o'clock every every day for prayer and devotions. When I was down at Peterborough on Monday and Tuesday this week, just gone, we met from nine o'clock till ten o'clock. We're an organisation that takes prayer seriously takes our calling seriously and you know in scripture folks when Jesus says to us apart from me you can do nothing you know we take it we believe that so we we do seek the Lord in our our work we just don't don't go off on our own we actually seek the Lord in, in our work that's my wife in the top there and that was the guest accommodation just in case you thought we were staying in the Hilton um that was where we stayed at the top the top there and um we got to the accommodation late at night, about half past ten at night, having travelled for six and a half hours. And the electricity had gone off, which it quite often does, so we had torches. And we had to step over frogs on, on the uh, steps. And you know, you late, I'm trying not to stereotype, but you ladies like to know what the loos are like wherever you go. Uh, just, you know, Jean was always worried in case it was just the Indian hole in the ground. And she went into the loo and lifted the seat in the dark, and a huge frog jumped out. And when, she, when we shone the torch around, the... the the uh, area, I was going to say the bathroom area, but it was just a, a shower and a hole in the ground and the toilets. There were frogs everywhere, so we were stepping over them. And uh, these two, this is a, there was another one of these, they lived on, during the day they came out into the sun. During the evening and the afternoon they went and lived on our bedroom wall. Uh, and, and they were quite, you know, big big lizards. And we said to this, uh, our housekeeper, Primella, there are a lot of frogs and lizards. And she said, yes, they're very important here. So I said, oh, why is that? And she said, there are no spiders, no cockroaches, and no mosquitoes. So that's what they, that was their job. Uh, this is Primella. She's the housekeeper for guests who come to the Mercy Home. And across the road from the Mercy Home is our, our training centre for, for teenagers. There's 180 teenagers there doing uh, MVQ equivalent work in, in different... Um, so there's dressmaking, engineering, etc., welding, etc. And it's children, teenagers who can't finish their education because either they have leprosy or their family have leprosy because most schools, when there's leprosy in the family, won't teach your children or teenagers. They don't get an education. 
Even grandchildren. I'm a granddad these days. In India, my grandchildren wouldn't be allowed to go to school because I had leprosy. It's very unjust. So that's, that's Primella, and uh, she has her own story to tell of, in life. When we're looking, let's go back. So we had a wonderful welcome. Sorry, technology and me, not mixing today. Where am I pointing this at? Up there. So we were very welcomed at this place. Jean and I were treated like film stars by these people. It was an absolutely humbling experience. It's a place of prayer. Now, most people that the Leprosy Mission work with, we estimate about 93% of the people worldwide in 38 countries, are not Christian. It's not on our agenda to ask people what they believe. We love people because they're people. We serve people because they're people made in the image of God. We are an organization that is very keen on the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel. But we actually love people into the kingdom. You know, St. Francis of Assisi said, go into the world with the gospel and use words if necessary. You know, so that's a wonderful... And I'm I'm a preacher who believes in the power of the word of God, but there's also power in the action of God's people, just loving people. That's, that's, that's the message of the gospel, is that God loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. He loves. And when we love people, they're drawn to Jesus through us. It's a place of prayer. I've shown you three husband and wife teams. In fact, one's missing. Oh, it's, perhaps it's not there. Three husband and wife's team. I don't know what's happened. Uh, this is, this is um, Mr. Tapan and Mrs. Tapan Kumar. He's the business manager of the Leprosy Missions Hospital here and the, the Mercy, the, sorry, the training centre across the road. And his wife is the sister, but can you tell which one didn't want the picture taken? Right. <laughs> She's the nursing sister. And uh, the next picture is going to be up any minute now. Is Oh, it's, that's, that's Jean and I. And this is a wonderful story. This is Shandan and Mainu. Uh, we weren't accepted in our village, but have found acceptance and love here. Now, they both have leprosy, and in the past, the leprosy has split them up, and they've had to live in different towns and not see each other. And in their later years, we've allowed them or arranged for them to come to it. And they live in a tiny little room, but you can see by their faces what that means to them. And this is Rupa Banerjee. Her name, Rupa, means silver. She's age 50. She's, she has diabetes. She's blind in one eye through leprosy. And she has leprosy in, in two hands and one foot and an amputation in the other. Because leprosy is a disease of anesthesia. It attacks the nerve ends, particularly the, the parts of your body that cool the rest of it. So when we go out into the cold, it's the side of our faces, our fingers and our toes that feel the cold. They're the parts of the body designed to cool the rest. Leprosy germ attacks those areas and causes numbness and typically what happens with numbness is that somebody who can't feel their feet could have a stone in their shoe and it becomes ulcerated gangrenous and people lose their limbs and that's what happened to to Rupa through leprosy Uh, she is a wonderful woman she's the most infectiously joyful person we've ever met she's a wonderful singer, beautiful singer and she's a bible teacher She's a trained Bible teacher and a woman of prayer and of integrity and of faith. And she's the unofficial leader of this community where she actually loves people and she has a a series of of Bible teaching and, and wonderful social things for people to get involved in. She's a wonderful, inspirational lady. And this is an elderly gentleman, age 80. 
He's blind in both eyes. He has stumps for fingers and stumps for feet that you'll see in a minute. And yet again, he's one of the most joyful people we've ever met. He's a great singer and a dancer. And he did a wonderful, a clicking like mad here, a wonderful dance with that staff there, sort of, sort of a folk dance. But again, an inspirational man who none of these people you'll ever hear complain about anything. You know, we might say, well, you've not got a lot going for you. They don't believe that for one minute. They just, first of all, they've got a community that loves them now after being rejected, but they have purpose in life and a dignity. I'm going to whiz through this, uh, if, if you excuse me, otherwise you'll be here all day. Uh, that's the principal of the college with the old, the college across the road and the Mercy Home. That lady's 93, but she couldn't remember when she was born. Let's just whiz through. These two ladies were brought in the day before we arrived, and they've been used to being rejected. It's going to take a while for them to to uh, feel the love of God. Uh, and you can see the, the decorations there and the, the conditions they live in are not ideal. They, uh, the whole community farm the area that they live in. So there are some of the vegetables that they grow. People, no, nobody is forced to do any work at all. They choose to do it if they want to. In India, the culture is people want to work. Nobody wants to. There's no dignity in having a handout. It's slightly different in our own community at times, our own culture. But nobody wants a handout over there. They want to work for themselves. This is an opportunity for people to come together to do to work. And um, the picture there just shows you how difficult it would be if you had no feeling in your feet, what could happen to you with, with spades, etc. Let's just try and whiz through. Uh, this gentleman's in charge of the, the, the nurseries there. So he, gar- he garners and collects the seed, seeds in season. They store them. He has a plan. And the seed, you see the different seedlings in the nurseries growing up into the vegetables, which they use for themselves and for the college across the road. And the surplus they actually sell to bring money back into the project. This gentleman's in charge of, of uh, irrigation. And then there's the Beatles. Um, I don't know if you're wondering why the Beatles are there, but just have a look at Paul McCartney. For you younger people, they were a boy band back in the day. Paul McCartney's hair on the, the left there. And look at him. He's got, uh, he's got the best beetle cut this side of the, the Mersey. Uh, Mantel. Mantel's in charge of the animals. And I've never seen animals uh, love a person like they love this man. Uh, that's him with a day-old calf. You know, he, he, the calf sat at his feet and he's got his arm around it. It's just incredible. He absolutely loves his work. He's been rejected by his family and his village. He's been rejected by them. And yet he's found a place here where his gifts come to the fore and he's got dignity. Mother and baby, when we went near them, the mother wasn't very pleased and she was came at us. When he went near them, the mother came and put his head on his shoulder it's just wonderful to see. So they breed cows there, they milk them, and they breed them and sell them. And they have goats and they have chickens. We're whizzing through now, and that's the transport they use to take the stuff to market. Wonderful thing about this town, Bankara, we've been there since 1902, and they accept people with leprosy. That community understands because we've worked there so long with them, and they see that we've got a commitment to them. We're not just coming in one minute and going for the next. You see there's a commitment there. We've been able to help the village and the town understand leprosy. And people with leprosy are accepted in that town. Um, worship in the chapel. And that finishing with, with that scripture from Isaiah. I can't see without my glasses. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed... Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. We love that. 
don't we? Reading that, we, we want that. But you know that God loves us unconditionally this morning. I need to tell you that if you don't know that. God loves you because he loves you. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. There's nothing we can do about that. He just does. He loves us. We can reject it and, and push it away, but we can't stop him loving us and pursuing us with love. It's unconditional. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. He just wants to give us it. But however, in scripture sometimes, or quite often, or always, when we see the word if, it usually depends on us. So if you do this, then kingdom principles apply. Can you imagine this community? People who feel rejected, and not just feel rejected, but have experienced such terrible rejection and stigma, being called unclean, being called sinners. We're all sinners, but particularly cursed by God pushed away from their own children, their families and their community, finding a community that loves them, where God's love is there, where they can live in peace. And they produce this, their own garden. This is a well-watered garden. This is what this community have made for themselves. And I want to tell you folks here in Barrow this morning, it's thanks to you. Because you are don- you donate towards the leprosy mission and the churches in Barrow. And it's because of you that people who've been rejected can find love today. So I just want to finish by saying thank you so much for being who you are. And you can see that lives are absolutely transformed by, by our generosity. So thank you so much. And thank you, Gary, for having me here. Bless you.